1: Slightly, sexually compromising (laughs) (laughs) people.
0: Divulging their deepest digital secrets. (laughs) What the hell is happening? (laughs) Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads
3: and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right.
3: Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us.
2: My name is Aaron Gillis and each week I'll be joined by
3: me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to different guests about how they try and live their life without misery but we try and do it with a little bit of laughter because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast.
2: This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably.
3: I'm back. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. I don't know what time it is where you are, but I hope you miss me. If not, oops, sorry. I'm I'm here now. It's kind of not much I can do about that. (laughs) thank you for joining us for another episode of conversations against living miserably a podcast which raises money for calm a fantastic charity the campaign against living miserably by talking and sharing our stories we hope to let each other know we can get through the shit bits and that hopefully things won't be that way forever um we're all we're all in the same boat a a big old mental health boat but not as lonely when you're sailing in it together this week's guest is Catherine Bohart. Catherine is a fantastic comedian whose show Lemon is touring next year, so be sure to check her out at a venue near you. We we'll chat to Catherine about OCD, perfectionism and toilets. <laughs> yep, you can you can tell I'm back. I managed to steer the conversation straight back into the gutter. Sorry, Erin. Enjoy! Hi. No. 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 go no, got to no, start with a hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode of Conversations Against Living Miserably. We are joined today by the fantastic Catherine Bohart. Hello. 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 How are we? Catherine is an angel in my family. My dad loves oh, Catherine. I love
4: your dad. He comes to her previews alone. I love him so much. <laughs> I love him so much. Once I asked him a question and he was in my front row and he said, oh no, I'm sorry the thing is, you know my daughter. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what a compelling response, but also way to shut me down. Brilliant. It was like, don't fucking ask me a question. It was I gorgeous. I'm
3: immune from this. I love him so much. He's he a sweet baby angel. So sweet. He is. We have to get
2: your parents on this podcast at some point she's I mentioned should them get all my mom the time. On. Yes.
3: You should
4: get both of them on. Do you know what it is? They're infectious in terms of like, they are so uplifting. They fundamentally fully believe and have every conviction in Lauren's talent. That is like, that bleeds out. So they just, like if they believe in you, you kind of start to believe in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, well, he's coming to the shows. I must be all right. Yeah, then. It's just he's <laughs> We home. saw you
3: just maybe like two weeks before Edinburgh, didn't we? And he honestly, and I could tell that spirits. you were like stressed. And my dad just gave you like a pep talk. He did. And I was like, this is amazing. And my honestly, dad needs to come work in comedy.
4: If I had known what he was going to say, I would have recorded it just <laughs> to play it before shows. He's amazing. <laughs> Big fan. Here I am. I love your dad.
3: I feel like maybe we have the answer to our first question. I was going to ask, when was the last time you felt calm? And I have a when feeling that's going to be your father's talking eyes. to eyes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and he soothed me. God, imagine if that was the last time I felt calm. That was months ago. Um, when is the last time I felt calm? You know what? Yesterday. And it's something that I don't get to do very often, but because of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. But I was home and able to cook dinner. And cooking for me is such a way to get out of my head and a way to calm myself and clear my day. Um, so I made a stir-, stir fry, which is very basic, but I just, I like, like chopping veg and being over my pants, I feel <laughs> like myself. And also I feel like there's nothing else I'm supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? It's yeah. not like I could be multitasking because I can't be on the phone while I'm making loads of noise and I can't be doing admin while I chop veg. So it's like a nice way for my brain to go, you're supposed to do this, you have to eat Eat, mm-hmm. and it's good to be cooking it for yourself so yeah that's probably when I felt calm that's a
3: lot. good but well, there's something about cooking but mm-hmm. I think it is quite it's therapeutic. therapeutic. It's, and especially yeah. if you do a job like this where maybe you go for a few days without having a proper meal. Yes. To suddenly be in your kitchen and just be like, I am, I made a fucking brilliant pie the other day. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. Didn't do the pastry, so not quite ready for bake-off. That's but fine. The what filling you... was smashing. What was in it? It was chicken. It was called a surfer's pie. Okay. And I don't know what was surfy about it because it had chicken in it and that's not from the sea. Um... <laughs> <laughs> is the, does it have a lid? Yeah, it, maybe hit, the it had like Thai green curry paste wow. and like Thai fish sauce, which I didn't know was a thing. And I stood like a frightened rabbit in the international foods aisles, just like, <laughs> which one is the fish sauce? <laughs> um, oh, maybe that one. Surely, fish sauce isn't enough to make it as safe as pie. I don't know. You can do anything you want these yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I don't know. It's a modern world we live in, Lauren. <laughs> Maybe that's enough. Good What's your you. go-to dish, like your comfort foods? It's a very good question. I make a good lentil bolognese. That's Ooh. very comforting. Mm. I love it. And it makes me feel like everything's going to be okay. But actually, my most like regular dish that I make is I make homemade beans. Oh, usually nice. at the start of the week, and they do us for the rest of the week. I love baked beans, yes. and I love making them myself. And also... I did not know you could do that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, literally, as you say that, it, my girlfriend was like, Sarah Keyworth, who you know so I don't know why I'm saying my girlfriend Uh truly the first time I made it was like wait what sorry what it's
3: like yeah they don't grow out in cams. like
4: what are you what are you talking about and she was like oh I didn't know
3: you. Huh. so it's a very good impression of Sarah thank you So we but have it mean- her on the podcast at some point listeners You yep. will be able to compare but it
4: means that I love making them we love eating them but also every single time her tiny mind is blown so that's exciting
2: what's yours
3: my girl is paella oh that's oh. Sarah Oh, I would that's say that's... a really good yeah. player. That's Sarah's. Yeah. That I think that would be
2: mine as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it's
3: like, you feel good because it's got veggies in it, yeah. but in like a sneaky way. So you feel good because you're... <laughs> by sneaky it's I just true. mean chopped up small yeah. uh, and it's like that kind of nice warm uh, I love it and it reminds holiday. it was probably the first kind of like exotic food I'd had on holiday yeah, yeah, yeah. and I remember being a kid and being like I am so cultured oh my god <laughs> absolutely I can't We're, wait to tell all the kids when I get home from my package holiday
4: and uh, really it's just posh pie, yeah, yeah. fried it's rice right? Rice. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it so much so good such a good shout yeah, yeah. I mean, also you can make it beautiful it always looks like such a like an extravagant little slices meal, of lemon it. on yeah, it just it like Check me out! I know, it's so <laughs> fancy, so fancy. I mean, I love baking, but I never have time to bake. But yeah. that is one of the, that's very therapeutic as well. I really
2: enjoy it. <laughs> when was the first time you became aware of mental health being a thing? be it positive or negative?
4: Ooh. Um, I mean, I suppose there was a lot more chat around it come end of school exams. That's probably the first time it was really presented as Mm. something that could be affected by external factors and could be something that you could vocalise or verbalise or could impact your behaviour or mood. But I think, yeah, so when I did my equivalent of A-levels, because in Ireland we do the Leaving Cert, suddenly it was like, also, turns out, when you make children (laughs) decide exactly what they're going to do for the rest of their lives and then (laughs) sign their initials on the end of a paper that says that's your decision made and then you put them in rooms of incredibly pressurized scenarios for two to three hours and say your whole life is dependent on what happens here (laughs) it actually can be quite call me crazy (laughs) stressful (laughs) and so suddenly they were I mean they weren't changing any of those factors Mm -hmm. but they were at least discussing that that might stress a kid out yeah and so that's probably the first time but I would say that I am a perfectionist and found school quite easy academically speaking I didn't love school socially maybe as much but I loved the learning part and I found it all came very easily to me so actually I got through that quite without um, a huge amount of stress I mean I definitely did things that were problematic like stay up all night the night before exams and stuff but only because I knew I could do that get a good remark and then probably not have done enough work during the year so I think that was probably the first time that I was aware of it the first time I Ever impacted me was probably later than that. Does that make sense? Yeah, Mm. absolutely.
2: And how did it impact you later on? Yeah, sorry, that wasn't meant to be a cliffhanger. (laughs) No, no, it was just like, oh, I'm so intrigued. Um, But
4: um, so I did very well at school, went to a good university, and did not do well at university. I completely floundered. Um, I was not good out of a routine setting Mm. um, where you were supposed to take responsibility for your own learning and where there weren't constant checkups and check ins and where you weren't being been fed things to memorize, I was suddenly like, what do you mean? We have to go find it out by ourselves and be <laughs> our own motivators. Because to me, then there were fewer indicators that I was getting things right. And I needed to be told I was right and getting things right and doing the right thing. So when I was in my final year of university, having not had a good time for all four years of being there, I was incredibly unwell. And initially, about I think in third year, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, which was true, but not the whole story. And then I started stopped eating, really. And so I thought I had... I guess I thought I had an eating disorder and asked my mom for help and she very kindly got me in to a very good psychologist in Ireland who was like, it's not an eating disorder and it's not clinical depression. Well, it is disordered eating and you are depressed, but they are caused by a greater problem. So I have OCD, um, but I didn't know I had OCD. Mm. I mean, when they said it I was like, you know what, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> I see how you got there. I, I, You don't have to show any more workings, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that until so I was 23, oh, right. which is actually quite a long time to get into habits and coping mechanisms to assume things are your personality rather than a problem. Yeah, indeed. Especially with OCD, because I think a lot of it can be quite positive. No, it's not positive, but it is rewarded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so being, in my case, thin, socially rewarded, being academically successful, socially rewarded, being a workaholic, socially rewarded. So despite the fact that those things were inhibiting me. And also, when I wasn't doing those, I was ex- I was non functioning. So mm. I was very good at outwardly projecting those things and not them not necessarily being true. Have I gone on a tangent? No, no not at all. Okay. This whole
2: podcast is based on tangents.
4: Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I have OCD, and that's when I figured it out. But then um, I'm probably being unfair insofar as discussions around mental health were definitely things that we had in my house, and my mom was very open to like us seeing a counselor or a therapist if we needed to. But I think it was probably the most overwhelming experience I had of mental health, both because I was unwell, but also, because I was suddenly talking to a lot of medical health professionals, and I, I ended up in a hospital program for four months, which is like the deep, very deep end of mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. And- and then I sort of got spat out at the end of that and went to drama school, which is not as dissimilar to a mental health treatment <laughs> facility as you would think that it should be. Um, but it was sort of like a blur. And then I had to kind of go, OK, how am I going to function on a day to day basis from here on out? So mm. then I guess I, got to, I had to get a therapist here when I moved to London, when I came to drama school. But I, then suddenly I was out of my parents' care and out of a system's care and suddenly had to remember that, like, it costs money to go to a therapist mm-hmm. and you, it, it costs time and you have to take that time off work because I don't work on weekends mm. or whatever it might be. What a
3: long way to answer your question. No. Yeah, loved it. Uh, when I saw your show last year I didn't realise how little I knew about OCD <laughs> yeah. until I saw your show and yeah. I was like not that I thought I was a bloody OCD expert but I remember sitting and being like oh there's so much more to that than the whole stereotype of like mm, I like comb to face the same way like. I'm really glad you said that yeah. I think that's
4: so true. I think it's understandable that you thought that you knew lots about it mm-hmm. or at least sufficient about it because it's not something that's. It is represented. It's weird. It's represented and it's talked about, but in a very limited manner. Yes. Yep. So people definitely think they know it's the washing hands one, and washing hands that much seems bad, um, and that's what they know, mm-hmm. right? Or that, that we really like stuff to be tidy. When actually there's seven clinical types, or at least there were when I was first hospitalised. There may well be more uh, of OCD, and they're very different to one another. So hoarding is a form of OCD. Oh, um wow. Yeah. Which people I don't think which is the opposite end of the spectrum of what people expect OCD yeah. to be, and the type that I have like sometimes people think that they have to do a lot of it's tied to religion for some people so the notion that they have to be good or bad based on an external Uh measure of that and that's what leads to their compulsions in my case it's perfectionism so it's about order and symmetry to a large degree and duty and not engaging London, not being seen as a failure right so those are all tied together but it's not just like I mean yes don't get me wrong I love when things are lined up straight (laughs) oh god gorgeous and that was definitely the overwhelming compulsive action Mm -hmm. was to fix the external so as that I could think straight. It never worked, by the way, because that's how OCD works. You line something up straight and then there's something else. Yeah. Or it's never straight or whatever it is. It's not a singular form of an illness that people identify it as. Also, it's like people... I think they think they know what it is but they also think they know how to make it better so for example which I think is a real problem mm-hmm. is people will often be like oh I cleaned before you came right yeah or she loves tidying yeah I've always had to live in house shares because I'm poor and <laughs> people will always one of my housemates will always decide Catherine just loves cleaning and it's like no <laughs> let's be clear <laughs> that would be like saying uh, your depressed friend just loves sleeping <laughs> like it's like no to what degree is she doing it yes. and to what degree are you taking the piss and letting her do it because you've decided that's better. So it's like, don't tell your friend with those who do that you tidied for her to get there because she needs to like it needs to be okay if you didn't mm-hmm. yeah. is the point. But yeah, people really think they know what to do. Another habit people have is like people will go, Oh god, it must really annoy you that X is happening. So say in this room that like you'd be like, Oh, it must be really annoying you that Lauren's things are on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well it wasn't until it you said that. that. Yeah. my attention. But also even if it is, maybe I'm making the micro decision at, at all points to try to deal with that and breathe and think that like, I don't know, having brain space is more important than thinking about that mm-hmm. so why would you mention it to me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Oh, it's just also I think people don't think it's that serious that mm-hmm. was the real thing that's, I, the that's weird, what got it became me, such a comedy
2: trope didn't it for yeah. a while that, and then became this kind of weird thing in the English lexicon of just being tidy neat and all that mm-hmm, sort of yeah. things and, and being
1: and a kind of diminished. Yeah, diminished how
4: annoying um, is the yeah. phrase a little bit OCD oh yeah. I go to 10 on that when comedy because I just think it's so frustrating you yep. would never say you're just like a little bit anything else Yeah, yeah. I'm a
1: little bit
2: manic depressive you, you know what I mean yeah.
4: like what? it's just bizarre but I I think yeah I think an awful lot of people don't take it seriously and I think in that show when I talked about the fact that it, I mean I almost died from it mm-hmm. as a lot of people do in fact not almost a lot of people do die um from it, and the statistics on people with OCD who die from suicide, who die from um, a lack of self care because they can't care for themselves, who um, have like the number of them being unemployed or having broken marriages is significantly higher than any anybody- like than other people without it. What a fun fact, guys! Yeah. My point is a series, and I remember in that show there was always be a point at which I would kind of la- lay out the severity of it, yeah, and it would be like, oh, people would just go. Oh, and I mean, it was a weird mixed bag where people were like, "Why is she talking about this? It's a comedy show." Or, <laughs> oh, I didn't know. It was that serious? Or oh, we should probably stop making fun of our friend Mark or whoever. <laughs> like whatever the moment of it was that people would have a realization. But I, uh, I think it was quite important for me in that show to say it is serious oh, and if I'm going to tackle it. Um. Like it's yeah. when
3: you mentioned going to hospital for it, and there was a moment when I sat and I was like, I'd never thought it would be something you'd be hospitalised for, yeah. and then I was like, it's a mental illness, of mm. course. Like oh, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think I oh, know. I really like that. I mean, I'm sorry that you had a horrible time, but I'm glad that you spoke about it. But also, I was yeah. so I. I mean, I had a. It's I. I kind
4: of struggle with the idea that I had a horrible time. Insofar as yes, it was awful, and yes, it's a very debilitating illness. But I had. Parents who believed doctors when they said that I had it, mm-hmm. I had medical support and I had care and i my parents had health insurance, which meant that I got that hospitalization and care like in many ways, I was very, very lucky mm. and I felt like I had a relationship with my mother where I could say i 'm drowning, can you help me?" Mm-hmm. which led to any diagnosis in the first place so mm. i don 't know I feel quite lucky i I feel like had I been me 60 years ago, yeah. I probably have died in a hospital from nerves um, or, you know, I or if I maybe didn't have that same relationship with my parents or if I wasn't raised in a home where they had enough money to have health care. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think I'm quite lucky. Mm-hmm. But also as uh, this particular government slashes any support for the NHS, I'm like the access to medical care that I had was important and yep. I don't want to take it for granted. Mm. I'm
2: on several waiting lists at the moment. Yeah. It's all terribly boring. It's atrocious. Uh, yeah, it's vile.
4: It's atrocious. and And I think that's also mental health is like the easiest thing to cut right because of what we were just saying nobody Mm. takes, not nobody takes it seriously but like it's just still not treated like you broke your leg
3: Yeah, yeah. even though it can be as much if not more of an emergency. It's like when it was mental health awareness day the other day I know this isn't going to go out when it was the other day but it was the other day and obviously there's so many people saying that you know it's important to talk and to reach out for help and of course it is but the amount of people I was seeing posting it who maybe haven't been through the system and I was like I don't think you understand that that is I think the way they were wording it was obviously so helpful and I know they got the right intentions but it seemed to be that they thought you reach out you ask for help done Oh yeah, and I I had to like bite my tongue a few times because I was like I know you've got the best intentions and it is so important to reach out and ask for help but I also think it's important for people who've been through that system to be like but I I still need your help from that point I've reached out and asked for help because that is step one on an incredibly long journey and yeah. it's like your mate's being like, oh, you need to talk. And it's like, oh, well, I have asked for help. Cool, brilliant, bye. And it's like, no, no, I, I need you more than ever now. Like, yeah. I really need you now to wait with me for the next eight months. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
4: I People always have asked me, maybe because I did a show about mental health, like, what what's your advice for when people are going... And it's keep asking for help. Mm-hmm. That is like I think that's much more important advice because that's what you have to do. You have to ask for help by making a doctor's appointment. Ask for help at the doctor's appointment. Maybe ask for help at another doctor's appointment. Maybe mm-hmm. have to see another doctor. Yeah. At which point you have to go on a waiting list. During which time you have to have friends support you or yeah. family support you. And then the waiting list might not come around as quickly as you needed to. In which case, maybe you need to ask for private help. In which case, maybe you need to ask for financial help. In mm-hmm. which case, maybe you get you, after your six weeks or eight weeks or m- however many months you wait for. It's not the right doctor for you. Like, oh, but hey, extra bonus prize, you get to go back on the waiting list. Yeah. <laughs> like, but there's positives there, right? The first time you ask mm-hmm. is always going to be the, the hardest. hardest. Yeah. It doesn't, however, mean that it's going to be the, the best response or that you're going to tell the right person because... People are disappointing in a multitude of ways. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just keep asking, I think, is the advice I would have. Yeah, Yeah, indeed.
2: unsolicited
3: advice, there you go. I think it can be disheartening to see if you do reach out for help. I remember bottling stuff up at uni for a long time and eventually reaching the point where I was like, I don't think something's right. And I went to talk to a lecturer. I broke down in an office probably this size and she looked me in the eye and went, maybe you need to manage your time better. And I sat there and I thought... (laughs) I'm clearly in distress and I have poured my heart out. You know I've not been turning up to classes and you know I've not been the same Lauren Shirley, You can see something's up. And that then put me off asking for help for a while. So I totally get how disheartening it must be if you get a knockback or if it's not the right person. But like you say, that makes it all the more important to be like, no, keep at it, keep asking. Because otherwise, you might wait two more years to ask for help and in a lot worse position by Like,
4: and I try to have some compassion I mean I try to assume that the reason people are not great when you tell them is for a reason mm -hmm. like maybe they have their own stuff going on you know not everybody is like clued in on mental health or any kind of medical professional or necessarily has the time or emotional capacity to support you but I think if you find yourself in a situation where someone tells you that and you can't at least try to point them in the right direction towards Mm -hmm. someone who can and be appreciative of the fact that they told you so you don't have have to take it on, I know that people are like, Well, you don't just get to burden me, and I get that, right? But like, there should be some, like, well done for saying it. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know who would be better at this than me? Yes, my dad's really good at that, yep. where he'll be like, I mean, he's such an incredible listener, but he doesn't necessarily always have the answers or solutions, mm-hmm. nor should he, right? He's not a doctor and he's like, but he's very good at going, you know what your next step should be Yeah. Um, if he can't do it for me. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think it's making sure put... that
2: those next steps are available as well. And just like you say, like, exactly. maybe I'm not the right person to talk to, but go talk, talk to them or go yeah. talk to Calm or the Samaritans because yeah. they'll have more advice or... Yeah. Go, like go speak to your GP, obviously, and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. making sure that after that point of awareness where you realise that there is something wrong, there's somewhere to go, that you don't get mm-hmm. stuck in that there's something wrong stage yeah. which can happen.
3: And acknowledging know. that they, it's brave of them to tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like when we had ads Lloyd on, she said obviously she likes to help as much as she can, but sometimes she'll get messages when she just can't deal with it, mm-hmm. but she'll be like, here are other numbers for other people who can help you more than I can right now, and I'm like, that's such an important... I've done it with mates, where I been a little bit like I appreciate this is really awful for you but I'm also dealing with my own stuff so thank you for opening up to me but maybe you need to ring this person or maybe you need to do this or maybe you need to do that and then maybe I'll check in again in a couple of weeks when I'm feeling better and being like just checking everything's okay. But It's better to be
2: honest and just say I think in one of those situations Mm -hmm. like I'm not in a very good place at the moment so I'm pretty sure I won't be able to give you advice that you should be taking and if I did it would be very hypocritical because I'm not doing that advice.
3: I felt really bad the other day someone sent us a message on Facebook a friend I thought they were asking for mental health advice and I was feeling really down at the time and I was like, oh my god, like I feel exactly the same. Oh my god, so weird that you've reached out and I poured my heart out and then I reread the message and he'd asked for advice on getting representation. <laughs> <laughs> like getting an agent and I had just completely misread it and like poured my heart out of yeah, I How you pressed send? Yes. Oh no, no! essay of a message when I was just like oversharing and like you know it's fine I feel the same and trying oh, to give advice you. but also like saying how bad I felt and then I was like I've just read your original question um, my agent is not taken on at the minute but, <laughs> <laughs> but then bless him he replied and he was like I totally know that's not what I asked but I actually feel a bit like this too and it's really glad I'm really like glad to know that it's not just me and I was like I'm glad we've inadvertently helped each other <laughs> good luck on your quest for an agent. But I do
4: feel like maybe that tells you something, right? Like if that was your, like, oh, thank God somebody finally. Yeah. It just, at the very least, it can tell you maybe you do need you need to have those conversations, <laughs> yeah. and that's okay, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
2: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why UnitedHealthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about UnitedHealthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
4: when other people ask me for help partly it's sometimes depending on my own headspace yeah. but also like trying to be aware of like maybe somebody's not help asking for help or like but being around certain things and certain conversations are likely to and I want a better word but I'm going to say this word because I don't have another one like to trigger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anxieties in me for example I have tried to and I've gotten quite good at just shutting them down right rather than like cutting people out of my life but mm-hmm. like to shut down conversations around like weight loss um obsessions around calories and food. Not in a like I mean, obviously someone I, I'm not like if anyone mentions food, I'm like, don't you speak to me like this. not <laughs> yeah. at all. Not at all. But like if people are constantly talking about the need to lose weight and say, I, I, I think I'm getting better at being like mm-hmm. I find this really like harmful. Yeah. And I hope you don't mind, but would you mind if I if we stop talking about calories because yeah. it upsets me. <laughs> and that is a very like apologetic way of doing it. I want to get to a place where I can articulate what I mean better, but mm-hmm. it's okay sometimes to protect yourself as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like a balancing act. So like I put a picture on. Instagram the other day of like freshers week and I know I was far too thin and fresh as like far too thin so when I, uplo- I uploaded the picture just to be yeah. like aha uh-huh, look at me in freshers week mm-hmm. seven years ago but I made a point of saying like don't tell me I looked good here because like I know I was yeah oh, I, d- I don't think I said don't tell me I look good but I said I was I know I was too thin here and I had seven years of festival wristbands on yeah <laughs> I was like and I needed to cut those wristbands off and it was just a nice little post about like um looking back right, retrospectively the first thing I did was someone comment being like, don't look don't be so hard on yourself I think you look amazing and I replied and I was like I wasn't saying that as a like hmm, give me a compliment I was mm. saying that it's like look at me I was 18 years old and like a child's body like so yeah. thick but obviously when girls put pictures on Instagram there's that classic thing of girls being like oh my god you look amazing hun you look am-. so I kind of wanted to try and protect myself by being like don't tell me I looked good there because yep. I don't want that thought in my head to someone be like oh, you looked amazing and then be like oh do I need to weigh six stone again like oh that's the thing And I
4: feel like our instant reaction when people lose weight is to be like, oh my God, you've lost weight. You look amazing. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I really, really, really tried to stop myself commenting when other people lose weight Mm. because I have no idea why they lost weight. Maybe they're having a bad time. Maybe they're sad. Maybe they wanted to. Maybe it was effortful, but Mm -hmm. maybe it was. So I tried to just stop it. Mainly, though, because I feel like when I verbalize the, oh, you look great because you lost weight effectively. I'm telling them, A, that's the better way to be. You look better than you did before because Mm -hmm. there's less of you. And B, I'm telling myself the goal is weight loss. Yeah, and I'm trying to stop.
2: Yeah, when it's I, hard, but I'm trying. My first ever Edinburgh. I went up and I weighed 16 stone in July. Came back in September and I was just over 12.
3: That is an Edinburgh. What? Yeah. Wow. I just
2: worked, didn't That's eat, a smoked. Week. Yeah, it was God. horrendous because I just didn't eat and I just yeah. like I was just smoking and drinking and that was it. And when I got back, That's people. That's awful. I got I was, was grey and I was just like mm. my mom, I got back. and My mum didn't recognise who I was. Dad, I walked past her in yeah. the pub and she didn't know who I was. And then people started saying, oh, you look so good for it. You look great for it. And Mm -hmm. I was so ill. I wasn't eating. I I would go days without eating. And I just like, but people were saying, you look really nice. And like girls were then interested in me, which hadn't been interested in me before. And it was like, it became a drug to stay that gross. Mm -hmm. And then I got... I was diagnosed with, like, gout and oh, wow. arthritis and all these different things.
3: Oh, my God. Is like, still a disease?
2: Uh, most certainly is. I thought oh, you better it believe it. it is. <laughs> no. I thought it was one the of
3: vitamin. these old-timey things, like scurvy.
2: <laughs> I think I was the youngest person in Hereford to be diagnosed with gout.
4: Yeah. Um, what were you living off, like,
3: pheasant and beer? Just
2: beer. I was, I was like, <laughs> yeah. occasionally, like, dry toast, and that was it.
3: God, look at all gouty Gillis over there. That's good. And it
2: was only until, like, I got to that point where I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, my body's falling apart. Yeah. It's like I actually need to start eating properly. But it is it's like you just get obsessed,
4: mm-hmm. yeah, and it's
2: just so gross.
4: Well, I, I couldn't think about anything else mm. when I like that was the main thing. People would tell me how amazing I was, but also I, I just I didn't have any other headspace. That mm-hmm. like, when I'm in that cycle, that's all I can think about is food, weight loss, punishment, mm. like yeah. exercise, like it's always punitive starvation's always punitive and then there's like binge and guilt and on it goes but it's like you don't have any headspace for anything else Like yep. you can't be a creative or functioning person mm-hmm. for any real significant length of time because you're just boring and sad obviously yeah. Yeah. but mainly it's just so boring and mm. I just don't want to go back there <laughs> no, so I, I have to be me. quite like good about like putting up boundaries about it well, it's just looking after yourself isn't it it's just yeah. like
2: it is self-care making but sure
4: I, but I do, I really try with other people not to be like to comment on their bodies mainly because I'm like it's not my body it's not yeah. my yeah. business just yeah. mind your business as long as you're happy that's mm-hmm. absolutely fine yeah, yeah that's the yeah. important thing yeah
2: going back to that because you said that your OCD is like steeped in uh, perfection mm-hmm. um, what happens so if you aim for something and you don't achieve that goal what then happens do you just spiral or is there like have you now learned to kind of bring yourself back from that
4: that's a very good question and I think I'm still learning yeah I think i'm still learning and i don't think that's just ocd i think um that's a woman thing partly i do think it's gendered we don't give women as much space to fail i don't think Mm -hmm. i don't think that they're necessarily allowed to try things and then fail as often for example i was reading something melissa mccarthy was talking about how she thinks it's really important for girls to play sports just because it's important to lose Mm mm-hmm and and then win another day and then lose another day and mm-hmm. it's just about being outplayed and I didn't and I think it's quite a good an interesting metric to be like I just think and maybe it's not as gendered as I'm portraying, but I do think we strive for perfection, especially when we're like the only women in fields as well mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Anyway, I think I am it is O C D related, but not exclusively, is yeah. what I mean to say. And I am still learning to fail and reward myself for trying. Mm-hmm. But it's a deeply uncomfortable spot that I mm-hmm. don't enjoy <laughs> and I'm still working on it. It definitely brings up a lot of negativity in me. Partly it's the OCD spiral that I have to resist partly it's like it makes me quite like shame ridden and quite anxious and quite jealous I feel like increasingly I'm able to go if I'm jealous of something or if I'm ashamed about not achieving something what's the underlying want there Mm -hmm. how very uh, CBT of me but like what is the Mm -hmm. underlying want and usually I find with jealousy it's not like I don't like the person or the person's bad it's that they have something I want and that tells me something and that's interesting Right? Then I, I could just be like, oh, cool, that's an indicator of my ambitions rather mm. than a reflection on them, which I am working on. Yeah. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah,
2: I I'm, I think I'm on my sixth existential crisis of the episode <laughs> at this point, to be honest. Relating to so much of yeah. this stuff. Yeah.
3: All the perfectionism stuff is like looking in a mirror. Because I've said this before, I think perfectionism. People who are perfectionists as children in school go on yes. to be incredibly anxious adults because you succeed within a framework, which yep. is easy to... Well, not easy, but if you're academic, yep. it's very easy. You, you know what you've got to do. You know how to do it. I have to do this, this and this. I'll get this grade. I'll do this. And then suddenly you find yourself in the real world and you're like, there are no frameworks. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. And because I'm not used to failing as a child, I was smart. I was an A-star student or that kind of thing. I get, even as an adult, I get this embarrassment. It's Absolutely. embarrassment Absolutely. if I fail and I feel like I'm back to being 10 years old again and I go red and I feel like I'm yes. going to cry and I'm, I'm an adult I shouldn't cry if I fail at something and I know some people might look and be like oh it's because she really wanted it and didn't get it oh that's really sad and it's like no it's because I'm so embarrassed that I failed Yeah, which is I,
4: daft I'm it's, an adult it's so problematic and I completely agree with you the overwhelming shame mm-hmm. of publicly putting yourself out for something like and saying like I'm going to by trying this I'm, I want this which is so ridiculous as well because we have chosen in a career in which failure is Compulsory. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely compulsory. Like you can do the same set in front of the same in the same room yeah. in front of a different crowd, and one night you can absolutely smash it, and another night they'll be like, "Why would you do this? Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You have
3: brought shame to our town.
4: Truly. <laughs> what were you thinking? Like, aren't, do people? Did someone
3: encourage you? Yeah. What is happening here?" And so
2: I'll get Lauren's dad on the phone immediately. Yeah,
3: Alan needs to know. But <laughs> I was leaving a gig at the weekend, and there'd been and I'd open so I know it was probably in relation to me and as I was leaving I heard this guy say fucking hell how much did we pay to get in here and I was like Ah, uh, <laughs> that was probably about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel yeah. your little cheeks burn. and uh, nope. There's a comic, Scott Bennett, who's wonderful. Um, he's he got a, tip a where comic. he puts a bobble hat on. <laughs> yes. And so at any gig where you have to leave through the crowd, he'll put his bobble hat on so people don't
4: recognise that it's him. <laughs> it's such a good shout. But the yeah. things I've heard people say about my sets in bathrooms there oh, have yes. been true, like, debilitating. And actually... I actually credit comedy I say this like with a lot of teaching me how to fail and mm-hmm. teaching me the joy of it and like and the learning from it that I, I definitely wasn't willing to embrace beforehand because it mm-hmm. is compulsory you do have to there's no opt out of failure oh in there's it, which so is actually many really not as a kid I, I never tried anything I wasn't naturally good at oh yeah that yeah. was definitely why would you
3: want to do anything you're going to lose that no.
4: exactly. oh I'm not immediately the best no I think I'll leave it yeah and I think that's a real so I'm trying to make myself do a few more things that I'm not the best at Mm. Yeah. from the outset just to keep reminding myself you can learn things Exactly. or not have to be the best and still enjoy
3: them yeah. what yeah. I know we've only just started me and Matt when we go bowling having the bumpers down <gasps> because I cannot <laughs> what's the point of going bowling if the ball's just going to go down the bumpers no it's not fun and the first couple of times me and Matt went bowling I cried because every ball went down the gutter yeah. and like he was like why are you getting upset and I was like because I'm bad at bowling and he was like you are not a child
4: <laughs> and also thought- you I don't want to be the world's best
3: bowler. I was like, I want to be a a champion. I was like, but I've paid six (laughs) pounds and all my balls are in the (laughs) gutter. And then I went the other day for um, another comic, Joe Sutherland's birthday, and they had the bumpers down and I was... Freaking out, and I was like, I don't want to be the loser who asks for the bumpers as up. Oh my god, I got a fucking strike! <laughs> yeah, yeah. bumpers as down all the time in future, please. <laughs> but also,
4: what's the worst case scenario? You lose, you lose, lose bowling a bowling at an adult's birthday party. That is yeah. true.
3: That is true. But all of who, who, probably
4: were comedians, right? So their job is to like find things funny. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: But, but I, know, I completely know.
4: understand. I would have also been like, I'll go skip the bowling and miss. Like, yeah, I'll actually, I'll get the drinks I'll in. Got the
2: uh, time for a game, I think. Time for
3: my game. <laughs>
2: Is that the new theme tune? Do you need a
3: jingle for it? I liked it. I really liked it. (laughs) I thought it was a thing. Ah, right. This is a good one, but I don't know if it's a good one to ask someone with OCD, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, Go (laughs) on. Which I don't know if it's... By the
4: way, I'm largely well, so you (laughs) go ahead. I should have stressed, imagine if I'd come in and been like, I'm not well. Yes. uh, (laughs) This whole room is a nightmare.
3: This Uh, is one that Matt actually contributed. um, Okay. Thank you for your contribution, Matt. Um, Thank you, Matt. Which (laughs) I hadn't thought of. So it's like an anxiety would you rather... Um, I would never have thought of this one but when he suggested it I was like oh actually this is something I do would you rather use a public toilet with no lock or just not go to the toilet not go to the toilet yeah how badly do I need to go to the toilet
4: mm. I mean I said it I don't know I was just. you trying can to... probably hold it but it's going to be uncomfortable I'll hold it nah I'd rather not go but to be honest with you you had me a public toilet yeah <laughs> So the lock to me is kind of a robot. Right <laughs> <one. laughs> I would rather hold it most situations, mm-hmm. but I'm getting better. Yeah. I'm getting better. I just build my little prison sea <laughs> God, what a middle class girl thing to say uh, Oh, as if I know anything about prison um, Yeah, I just put my little You know, waste the I, I do think of the trees that I'm killing As mm-hmm. I build my uh, saddle For the public toilet <laughs> What a terribly long answer I should have just stuck with Hold it But I've exposed myself instead
3: mm-hmm. I can't there go on train toilets No, absolutely not And even though they've got door- a lock I, no. I don't trust them Either don't do I don't I, trust I. The door's going to open like stars in their eyes tonight Matthew I'm going to be having a shit
4: like, no. I completely agree those, those are horrific yep. yeah horrific why would anybody create that yeah. situation mm. awful oh, this, and it's the slow pace with which they open yeah. can you imagine yeah. like, knowing it was going to happen but it's not enough time to really do yourself
2: up yeah, yeah. But, oh,
3: absolutely. so then
2: you're just going to make a scene of it really exactly
4: you? oh god no absolutely not that's the stuff of nightmares
3: yeah and not children are really bad for this where kids will go in the toilet and not lock it probably Presumably their parents have said don't lock it. Yep. But then you go striding in and push open a cubicle you and you're like, Am I a paedophile now? <laughs> oh no, I am so sorry. And then you're just like, I don't want to up. I'm not a paedophile. But you know there's that thing where you That's not oh. a thing I thought you'd have to clarify on this show. <laughs> When you push open the toilet door, and you're like, "Great! Now I've seen a child piss." Yeah. I have a, a child question.
4: T- did you see the child go in? Was it was their intent?
3: No, I, d- okay. I did follow them the whole. way <laughs> <laughs> But what I do when my niece goes in, I stand outside the door. I'll tell her not to lock it, but I'll stand. Mm outside because I'm just like I don't want anyone walking like she doesn't care but I'm like I don't want anyone walking in and you having a way either I'm very very protective yeah people play it loose and fast with the old kids yes. on trains yeah,
4: I, can't do that. Mm, no. I once had actually I was going to moan about it but it was truly one of the best train experiences I've ever had <laughs> which is that I was coming back from Newcastle mm. on the train and this woman got on with three children one of whom was uh, fresh out the oven newly oh. baked and she had all of these children and was trying to feed them and trying to take care anyway she said can you hold the baby and I was like Yes I can hold <laughs> I would be honoured Anywho She is me this Beautiful baby And She w- was like Do you want me to take her back mm-hmm. But obviously Had so much to do And looked exhausted That I was like I can hold her If you like uh-huh. Greatest To fair, Longer than I expected Four hours Of my <laughs> life The first two I was like This is amazing yeah. The second two I was like My arms are dead And actually I'm not sure I'm ready to be a mother <laughs> yeah. But um,
3: Still a
2: joy oh. I would have freaked out.
3: I lived with someone who had toilet anxiety. Now I'm thinking about toilets. Wow. And I did not think it was a real thing at the time, but now I'm thinking about it. I was like, no, it probably was. I quite so a lot of toilet-related anxiety. We, yeah. and I, I think I, it's quite a common thing. Yeah. 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 No, like in uni houses, it tends to be a big ground-floor bedroom and then everyone else upstairs. Yeah. We were one boy, three girls, and she said, he's going to have to go downstairs because I genuinely will not be able to use the toilet if I know there's a boy on, the, like, who's within listening distance. And she could not use a toilet if she knew there was a lad nearby. Wow. Yeah, it like a genuine like she has boy anxiety. physically yeah. couldn't go to the toilet and at first we were like he'll take the downstairs bedroom you don't need to invent a backstory <laughs> but no it was a genuine guess so it. if he was upstairs she wouldn't You'd like say if he'd come upstairs for something she wouldn't use the toilet
4: I definitely could not go to the loo if people were queuing oh, that's like my that's like yeah. no absolutely not I'll just leave it I, mm-hmm. I see a queue I'm like no thank you you know sometimes people will be like we both need to go to the toilet you go ahead I'll just wait here and they wait yes. outside the door yes. are you mad? no mm-hmm. I've now said crazy and mad I've know, I've counted three times on this show and I feel like you're going to have some complaints and I apologise <laughs> Um, I know that those are serious words but yeah I just
3: I can't cope with people outside the loo i yeah. like why would you do that? Um, I am an angel. I always put the hand dryer on when I leave in case there's anyone sitting waiting Queen, for a poo. Queen,
4: that's yeah. a real, that's a general. I get move. annoyed when
3: girls don't do it. Back, I completely and I'm like, agree. Come on, you've not you've not seen this toilet door open in six minutes. You know what I'm waiting yeah, to do. Just put, put the hand dryer on. Put a hand dryer on. Agreed. Any boys do it too. It's good. Cur- that's absolute I'm courtesy. The greatest, aren't well I? done. That's yeah. actually very. I am, but a also mental health advocate. Yeah, it's very important.
4: <laughs> very important. Yeah, I mean the stress of it. It's all too much. Yeah. I was going to give more advice. On toilets, and I
3: thought, you know what? No, I think we should uh, yeah. steer away from toilets. Yeah, so guys, quite I like, no one needs to hear Rapid it. <laughs> Ten minutes of
2: toilet chat.
3: Our last question before we all go to the toilet, yes, yeah. <laughs> alone, yes, while not waiting for each other and with no children. If you could go back to your, you were right, Aaron.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really tickled me that day for some reason. that was really funny.
4: Thank
3: you. So why I'm here? <laughs> She's actually very funny. What a surprise! <laughs> you Comedian Lawrence Pattinson. Every now and then, I tell a joke. <laughs> oh, <it's good>. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back to your younger self uh, and give yourself some advice on mental health and living without misery, what would you tell yourself?
4: I mean, based on everything we just said, and actually I think probably on a broader scale, it would be good for me to have done something that I, I would have failed at on a more frequent basis. I think that would have changed an awful lot of my life, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but I think, yeah, maybe like take up a sport. Is that a weird answer like be bad at something Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis and learn to lose and also learn to be like like just learn to have good days and bad days Mm -hmm. I think that was I couldn't cope with that and I think that is something that you can learn and thankfully I have learned but and I'm still learning but I think that it would have been nice to learn it at a younger age and probably good for me I think I would have been a better sport and probably a less obnoxious class member had I okay Occasionally, not being the best at everything, yep. because I really was without compassion or empathy for people who were not academic in school. Which I now can see in retrospect, I was—I imagine—I was an absolute nightmare to be in class with. I—I <laughs> I honestly, I was either answering the question or waiting for other people to stop answering the question so that I could answer yes. the question. I was a nightmare.
3: Did you get annoyed at slow readers? Oh, you yes. better believe yes. I did. Oh, we would have been such good friends. And we would Actually, have been no, we a nightmare.
4: We would have been vile. Can you imagine the two of us? Nobody, no school needs two of us. Absolutely not. No thanks. I spent a lot of time worrying as a kid, like an awful lot of time worrying. And I wish maybe the sports thing would have helped too, but like just to be a bit more of a kid. Mm. I feel like I'm, I feel like that's a really good one. Letting me do that now. But yeah, I think I wasn't, a, I mean, I was unwell, of course. I, so I know that that's. I don't know if I could have changed that massively but I do just think when I look back at this weird little girl reading all her books dusting her books tidying her room freaking out when people made her bed because it wasn't made to the exact standards I just and I don't know if I could have changed that but I I wish she would go and play (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah maybe that's what I would say
3: that's that's a lovely one
2: thank you so much
3: thank you thanks guys we hope you can take something from this podcast away with you in your day-to-day life Whatever situation you're in, you're not by yourself. We can share our stories, share our experiences, we can help each other know that things do get better. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to another episode. If anything has affected you that we've spoken about today, or you just need to talk, then the Calm Helpline is there for you. It's free and it's anonymous keeping on with the thank yous thank you so much again for listening I've, I've thanked you once but i'm so grateful i'll thank you twice big thanks to Catherine Bohart for being such a pleasure to talk to and to learn from to everyone at dave and calm for letting us do this and of course to aaron for for being the captain that steers this big old mental health boat on track even even my cause mischief i shall bring you a hat and an patch, aaron would love it if you could share, spread the word, drop us a nice review or rating, whatever you need to do to get this podcast in more people's ears. We would really appreciate that. See you next week. Bye.